Well, hello, everyone. I'm your host, Cindy Ketzel. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Nine to Thrive HR. In this podcast, we team up with experts to bring you the best in HR, talent management, and business strategy. Speaking of teaming up with experts, we've been so grateful to hear from you over the last several months. If you do have a specific topic you'd be interested in hearing or suggesting to us, give us an email at podcasts at hci.org. All right, listen, you all, here's my deal. I am interviewing Jewel Von Kempf today. She's the head of people at CoinMe. And as I was preparing to get ready for today, I was just doing some research here on Jewel. And one of the things that really stood out to me, so I'm going to go a little non-traditional here, something that stood out to me was this beautiful way in which Jewel talks about who she is. And so I wanted to share this with you, and then I'm going to have Jewel tell you a little bit more about her resume. So here's what Jewel had to say. Throughout her 10 plus years in HR, she has continued to hone her craft. She brings grit, passion, resourcefulness, and authenticity to her work. Her days are filled with satisfaction because she enjoys her work. Her experience is vast, even though she knows we should always be seeking out opportunities to learn. Most of all, she says, I thrive in building an environment in which employees have value, are included, and belong. She leads with empathy and is a strong proponent of compassionate candor, love that topic, psychological safety, that one too, and a growth mindset. And that echoes what we talk about at HCI as well. She says, I love what I do and I want all employees to feel that same passion for their work. Hello, Jewel. Welcome. Hello, Cindy. Thank you for having me. We are so delighted to have you. And I did run it by Jewel, if it was okay if I read that beautiful sentiment there that she had shared. Um, But could you tell us a little bit just more about your resume, your credentials there that I normally would read at the top of our podcast? Yeah, I started off in HR, oh my gosh, I guess it's almost 12 years ago now at a startup, an energy startup. It was amazing. And all of my HR experience has actually been at startups, which I think can be a benefit, but also it's sometimes a a detriment. I don't have that real corporate experience. Um, But what I do have is experience in a world where I've been able to see and craft human resources departments that really are people focused and, you know, allow employees to bring their true selves into their workplace and which allows them to bring their passions. So I worked at a startup called Three Tier, which was acquired by Vaisala a while ago, and it was an amazing group of scientists and engineers and other operational leaders in the company. Moved on from there to SkyTap, which is a SaaS organization, still a strong company and filled with a phenomenal culture of people. Um, It was very difficult to leave that company. And now I work at CoinMe, which is a crypto startup. Um, operating the world's largest fully licensed cryptocurrency cash network. It's a startup filled with innovators, change makers. It's the passion for the employees here is just phenomenal. It's out of the world. And so um, I really do love working at startups. 
Yeah. Well, and I also think it's funny because I've spent a lot of my career, I've been nonprofit, for profit, you know, now as a consultant. Um, but every role that I've had has always been new roles for the organization. And it's kind of that same I'm imagining for you. It's kind of entrepreneurial. Yeah, it really is. And I think that a lot of the time people don't think of, you know, classic roles such as HR or accounting, you know, finance as something that can be entrepreneurial, but it really is. Like we bring that same sense of change making, disruption, innovation to our work and our companies, as do the people, you know, actually building the products. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I have to tell you, I was so fascinated to read a little bit more about CoinMe because that's just a space that I'm just not awfully familiar with. So that was really interesting to have a chance to learn a little bit more about cryptocurrency and what you're all doing. So that was pretty cool. But you all, this is what we're doing today. Jewel and I um, had some talks about what we wanted to share with you all, our listeners. And so we thought we would talk a little bit more about some workforce trends that we'll likely continue to see throughout 2023. And one of the things, Jewel, that you mentioned, and I thought, especially because you are with a startup, kind of that tech world, um, one of those areas, just because we've seen this in the news, is this workforce trend, you know, kind of thinking about this of a scaling down or a plain English way of saying it, working with fewer people. So what do you see with that? I mean, we certainly have all seen a lot of that in the news. I think I told you I refer to it as the sea of green on my LinkedIn of all the people who are open to work. But really, I mean, there is opportunity as well as downsides to when companies are taking on the process of, you know, scaling down. And the opportunities there is for employees to upskill, to learn new skills for companies allowing employees opportunities to grow their careers, to take on work projects that wouldn't otherwise be available to them. And that can be a wonderful thing. But employers who are facing cuts in staffing, you know, they have to make those difficult decisions of of what they can do to keep the company profitable, especially as we, you know, enter into a recession or prepare for one. And that can be really challenging. So it takes a lot of workforce planning with your friendly human resource department, as well as looking at, you know, the financials to and the roadmap for the work to determine what can a company do to push their product forward to increase revenue and who are those people that they need to make that happen. Yeah, it's so much to unpack in my mind. What you shared with us is such great data. You know, and I say misfortune. I don't know if that's the best word because I've always seen, I've been in that same boat. I've been downsized from organizations, but I've always landed, not better, but different, right? I've always landed different. I've always been given other opportunities as I've moved through career progression. You mentioned, you know, doing more with less. What are you seeing? Could you talk a little bit more just about what your thoughts are kind of diving a little bit more into the upskilling and reskilling of the people that do remain within these organizations? Like you've said, you know, we both said we're seeing this in the news. We know it's happening. We're seeing it on LinkedIn. We know it's happening. So what are your thoughts around that upskilling, reskilling concept? I'm seeing like a fair number of, you know, engineers I know out in the tech industry right now taking on 
you know, additional roles and responsibilities that do grow their skill set, but also weren't part of their jobs prior to companies, you know, downscaling. So, and I'm seeing that in product as well. So I'm, you know, I have a couple of friends I know that are, were currently project managers, and now they're operating as both project and product managers. So they're, they're learning the skills to move their career forward, but also, you know, to help a company out that has had to downscale a little bit. And has had to adjust. And I know this is going to come up for one of the workforce trends further on our conversation, but for those folks that do remain and have had to add those additional opportunities or skills to their repertoire, um, there's value for them to remain with the company. Like they must feel some engagement to remain and be taking on other opportunities. So that really kind of folds into what we'll talk about a little bit later in the conversation. Yeah, there's plenty of research out there that highlights, you know, the top three reasons why people stay at a company and development, like the ability to grow your career is almost always at the top of that list. Yeah, that's awesome. So another trend that Jewel had shared with me and and will share with you all, our audience, our listeners, um, which also oddly is really big for us here at HCI for 2023. We just had launched a workshop for participants to join around onboarding your hybrid and remote workforce. So this is going to be great data for us, Jewel, to hear your thoughts on this. But your the next workforce trend was really around exactly what I'm talking about here, the optimizing productivity for remote work and hybrid employees. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes, yes. And I have to say this has been, you know, of course, come to light during COVID. And as companies now are moving forward and looking at their future, they're thinking about how do we optimize our working remote culture? Do we go hybrid? Do we, you know, everyone go back in person? I think Disney just announced that they're going to be sending everyone back in person. And one of the interesting things that we expect to see from that in my world is a lot of people looking for work because people now kind of in addition to the responsibilities and the roles that they want to do in their jobs and their careers, they also have desire around whether or not they want to be in an office or hybrid or fully remote. So for employers, what that means is each company, including Coimi, has to sit down and determine what does it look like? What are the trade-offs if we stay fully remote or if we stay hybrid? And we have to look at the productivity. Microsoft put an article out about um, how productivity has gone down with their remote workers and how we can keep people engaged, um, how we can keep people working. And I think it's more about us changing the way we look at the workday for our fully remote employees versus the way we look at it for people who are in an office. So in an office, you're there, you know, eight hours, maybe more hours a day. And you're seeing your coworkers, but I've worked in offices. I see my coworkers. I chat with them in the kitchen. There is plenty of time wasted in an office as much as there is at home. But the people who are working fully remote, those people are, you know, potentially taking their kids to school or picking them up or, um, you know, taking their pets for a walk throughout the day. Things that, you know, are everyday things that can actually increase productivity as well as increase a person's mental wellness. And so companies need to sit and kind of determine how do you increase that productivity? For us at Coin, we have created a 
how we work, kind of cultural book of how we work, that gives clear expectations to employees. And it sounds silly, but we have, we do outline that we expect employees to work eight hours a day, you know, which normally you wouldn't say to people when they're salaried and coming into an office. But we lay out all the expectations that we expect, as well as the options for employees. For example, if you're neurodivergent in having a camera on you makes you uncomfortable, then you don't need to have your camera on during the meeting. And, you know, if you're in meetings with someone, don't also be checking Slack or your email or your phone. Really basic, you know, how we show up and how we work. And that has helped us with our productivity, like in a tremendous way. It's just laying, kind of providing the guideline for employees. And I'm a huge fan of expectations. So I love that. Is that something for you all, Jewel? Does it evolve? You mentioned you set really clear expectations. And yes, we do expect you to work eight hours a day. I suspect, though, with what you're also mentioning is the Mm -hmm. breaks when we're remote might look different than the breaks when we're in an office. But have you found... have those expectations changed, shifted, or is it pretty much stayed similar since they've been written for the coin me folks? I think they've definitely shifted. We consider that art documentation to be living documentation. And we certainly try to keep our thinking and our processes very agile. It's also really important for any company, whether you're remote or in person or hybrid, When you're asking people to show up to work as their authentic selves and you're creating an environment that is, you know, hopefully inclusive and diverse, that these expectations you set out will have to be agile because they're going to have to be flexible depending on the individual and what their needs are as they are showing up to work. So we're constantly working on ways that we can work together better and be more productive. And there's just always room for improvement, Mm -hmm. always room. Two of the words that you mentioned around this trend when we were chatting about it, and I want to mention them, and if there's anything you want to add to this, but you'd mentioned the term purposeful work, and you mentioned the term fostering engagement. So what does that look like for you all? Purposeful work for us, and for me, when I mentioned that, is the employees having work that they're passionate about, that they can see the value in what they're doing. I know how the work I do, even though a lot of human resources work isn't quantifiable, I can see how the work I do impacts my company's mission, values, revenue. So knowing the value of the work that you're doing, doing work that you love, that you're good at, you know, those are all things that I think add into that phrase, purposeful work. Um, And then engagement, like work where people are engaged that comes with purposeful work. Like if you are showing up to a job that you feel like you are bringing a value, that you have an impact on the company and the culture of that company, you'll certainly be more engaged. So we make sure that our employees have a voice at the company. Um, We even have a policy in our handbook, a speak your mind policy. In fact, I don't think I've gone through a single team meeting where questions haven't arisen, like actual roadmap product questions from people stemming from customer support to engineers to product. Everyone is involved and feels like they have ownership in the company and the company's success. That's amazing. And it can certainly, you know, make that breadcrumb back to, you know, with those definitions basically of what you're providing for us, that breadcrumb back to how that ultimately boosts that productivity. 
right? I mm-hmm. feel passionate about what I'm doing. I can see how it connects to the end result and I'm feeling engaged and valued here in my organization. So it certainly ties back to that trend. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So continuing to move here, um, it's interesting to me because I know that this next trend has been a big topic for us over the last couple of years. And, you know, we leveraged a little bit there to talk about productivity Um, and we'll continue to see, I think, this next trend shake out in 2023 and we'll continue to improve in areas as it remains in the focus Um, And I know organizations have been obviously juggling this idea of where do we work? So focusing on building an effective remote team. So what do you see for that for this upcoming year? This is just almost an all encompassing, right? Like, but I do think what we'll see more this year specifically is companies continuing to focus and really hopefully elevating that hiring for their, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and focusing on those soft skills and behavioral interviews um, for the remote team specifically. One of the challenges I've seen for companies that hire remotely is they interview technically and the person interviews really well. But then when that person gets in the proverbial door, (laughs) the non-existent (laughs) door because they're remote, they, um, you know, their cultural fit isn't there or their soft skills aren't there because in the interview, they just answered structural, great technical questions. So I think that we'll see companies kind of focusing on really a more holistic style of interviewing. How do we tackle the soft skills as well as the technical skills? How do we behaviorally interview to make sure we're getting someone that can not only fit in our culture, but also help elevate our culture a little bit? And doing so, I think companies are going to, as we've seen in remote hiring, we've seen companies be able to hire in you know a dispersed manner across the U.S., across Canada. And I think we're seeing a lot more companies opening up to global hires. I know that we have at CoinMe and have found that hiring globally not only brings new talent into the company, but also brings a new way of thinking. And I think that that global mindset is really valuable to companies that want to have an impact on the world and not just you know the U.S., I couldn't have said that better when I think about global hiring and how it is changing the landscape of business, obviously across the world, being able to hire from anyone with this idea of a remote team. How do you think this workforce trend of continuing to build that effective remote team, focusing on uh, paying attention to the DEI and the soft skills, where do you think that lands for what will happen or change or how we'll optimize recruitment over the coming year? Last year, I saw a really strong emergence of sourcing tools and, you know, kind of change or adapt to focus a lot more on DE&I hiring. So companies are able now to even look at resumes and remove the pictures, just look at information that is, you know, relevant to the job, you know, there are some really stellar like AI sourcing tools out there that are just have really, when they first came out, I was like, I'll just keep sourcing myself. But then last year I started looking and using some of them and I was like, oh my gosh, there are some really big benefits here because I'm able to check some of my own bias when I'm sourcing through these tools and be like, oh, you know, it's pretty amazing. So I think that we'll, we'll continue to see tools like that and companies using tools like that, as well as using tools to make sure 
that the job descriptions they're writing are inclusive. And really by creating those job descriptions that are inclusive, they're opening themselves up to way more candidates than they they would have before, right? So I feel like we're going to continue to certainly see that. I also think that we're going to see, I mean, if you've looked at a job description or hired someone, you'll see more people applying globally. People are feeling that, hey, this job is based in the U.S., but I might be able to get it and work remotely. So and vice versa. I'm seeing candidates applying for jobs that are in, you know, Europe that they could do remotely from the U.S. So it's really kind of creating a much larger candidate base for companies, as well as a lot more opportunities for job seekers out there. And I think, I mean, I love it. I love this global world that we're in and global hiring and global hiring itself is become a lot easier. There are, depending on what you need, so many different PEOs, professional employer organizations or EORs that you can use to hire globally now and expand that employee base. I mean, it's phenomenal, the amount of resources out there. Yeah, wonderful. I agree. I think it's been, you know, the classes that I teach, I sometimes have the benefit of having folks from other, you know, outside of the United States. And it's been so interesting to hear, I mean, just from a class perspective, so I can't even imagine from an organization perspective, but just from a class perspective, I get the pleasure of hearing how companies around the world are utilizing people analytics or how companies around the world are, you know, thinking about strategic HR business partner roles, right? It's been Mm -hmm. so cool to hear that diversity. So I can't even imagine, right? Like to your point, it's exciting. It's exciting to see those shifts and a lot of those tools that are available make it easier for you all to be able to do this. Yes, it certainly does. Yeah, good. Well, we're winding down to the last, uh, you and I had chatted about in terms of trends for 2023. And and I was sharing with you, Jewel, that I have been so fortunate on this podcast in 2023 to have some conversations. Uh, and I'll work up here to this next workforce trend. But I've talked with Guild Collective about burnout I've talked to Dr. Richard Safir at Johns Hopkins about a culture of well-being. Even at the end of 2022, we've talked to Ryan Jenkins about connection. So we've been hearing more and more about culture and a culture of well-being within an organization. So this last workforce trend that you had mentioned to me was really around better workforce culture. So if you had to highlight From your point of view, um, when we do think of a better workforce culture, what bubbles up for you in this last trend here? I think one of the things I've had to learn growing up in HR, when I, especially, you know, when you're speaking with executives and leaders, the topic of culture isn't new, right? We want to build a more engaged culture, a better culture. But one of the things I had to learn was that what that means, what that culture, that workforce culture is, what it means is different for each employee, right? So it's different because people have different experiences. They themselves come from different cultures. And so for us at Coimi and at my previous roles, it came down to the conversation of how do we create an environment where people feel like they belong, like they feel like this is their space and where it's open enough that that can be molded to each individual person where they know like, this is my space. I belong here. I'm safe. I have that sense of psychological safety. And I think that that is going to continue to be something that is incredibly important moving forward. And I, 
I know you and I didn't speak about this before, but I was thinking about this last night um, in the U.S. specifically with the, you know, election cycle ramping up here again. You know, that ability for employees to feel like they have a sense of, of safety and inclusion in their workplace is going to be crucial for their performance, for their ability to focus during work, you know, and that is, that can be really challenging for remote workers, right? Because you have people who, who might have the news playing on in the background while they're working and that could be impacting their mood and how they're showing up. So at my company, we really encourage people to just turn off the news while they're working if that does affect them. Um, In fact, I remember in 2020, we were in person, And some of my employees were showing up to work and they were just feeling really, really off, you know, like they're showing up and they're, they're feeling emotional and they couldn't let go. They couldn't let go of what they had heard on the news in the morning time or what they had, what they had seen the night before. And, um, you know, we sat down with the employees and we asked them like, well, what can we do? You know, are you watching the news while you're at work? And they're like, no, I put my phone away. I'm not looking at it anymore. But we did learn through just having a conversation with our employees that when they walked into the lobby of the building that they worked in every day, the news was playing right there on the TV. So it was like this in their face, but also subconscious reminder of everything they had heard the night before. And so I think we'll see employers continuing to give their employees that same sense of consideration in voice. Like what, what is it that you need? What's impacting your work? What would be a positive? What would be that we can encourage that we can add? And part of that you do through just building those personal connections with your employees, you know, having conversations, providing employee resource groups for the people that need them. I don't think it's a trend and I don't want to call it a trend. I don't want to call DEI a trend. It's a necessity and it's something that we're doing. It is a learned behavior. It's a growth. It's a growth. It's what we're growing into. And so it's not a trend. It's not going to go away. But I think the the trend of better workforce culture. That's what I was going to say. Yes, that's the trend. The trend Mm -hmm. is the organizations are looking for how do we make our workplace the best that it can be. Exactly. And I do think that based on that, I would say DNI is one of the top ones. The overall employee wellness, I would put that as a second. People are going to continue to focus on their employee wellness because employees show up when they're feeling good. They show up, they're engaged. And the other thing... I've debated, I didn't know you were going to ask me the top three, but I would say um, this year we're going to see a lot of talk about pay transparency. I think that's going to be a really big topic that we're going to see. Um, Specifically, a lot of laws went into effect in specific states this year around posting jobs and having to share the job bans. And so I think that, you know, it's going to open up talks within companies of do we actually have full pay transparency? How do we do this? Like, how do we share this with each other? and with the world if needed. And so um, I think that will be a big topic. And I read a really interesting article on that recently, and it was about Gen Z and pay transparency. It was in the Seattle Times, and it was um, written by Arcelia Martin, probably butchering that, but it was a really interesting article. And it did mention Gen Z, but let's be honest, every single person in a company, regardless of their age, is you know interested in pay transparency. Yeah, I agree with you. And I do think that a little bit ties back in to the DEI in that we are demanding an equitable and fair pay across. 
the world, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, I agree. I think pay transparency is going to continue to be a conversation in 2023. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yep. I, yeah. I'm kind of excited to see where it goes. I, I'm, I'm excited too. I do think that it's going to be really pushed and driven by some of those like newer employees coming into the workforce because they're coming into a workforce in a time where states are rolling out laws about pay transparency. And so they're going to have more expectations than someone maybe my age who's over 40. Yeah. Well, I talk about nieces and nephews, but they are, none of them are my blood nieces and nephews. They're all family, right? Like I've developed these bonds over all of these years and these kids have now grown into young adults. And, you know, a lot of them are in college now, which blows my mind, but I'm so excited. And we have these conversations all the time. I am so excited for them to take that next step and join the workforce because it's going to look wildly different than when I joined the workforce. And I'm so excited for them, you know, and to hear and to be able to listen to them, you know, as I'm starting to move the other way, you know, they're just moving into it. So I'm so excited to hear how this, you know, everything that we're talking about today, what it's going to look like, you know, not just this year, but over the years and what it will look like as they start uh, entering into the workforce with their big people jobs. <laughs> if they choose to, who knows? My, my nephew said to me yesterday, well, Aunt Cindy, you know, there are jobs that aren't even developed out there yet. And I could be in one of those. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I say that in one of my classes. <laughs> you are so right. You are so right. So it's so cool to hear that generation. It's true. And these trends are really, it's such an interesting topic, right? But I think what we can see if we were to look back when you and I started working versus people coming into the workplace, we could see that the landscape of what it means to be an employee, what it means to be a person of color in a company, the gender of you are, like all of that has changed, but is also continuing to change, hopefully for the better. You know, we're creating a more diverse garden, so to speak, of work. And um, yes, my mother retired years ago from CenturyLink. And I was speaking to her when she was visiting about the topics that my employees and I discuss and how when a person isn't performing well, you don't, we don't just fire them. Instead, we, we have a discussion with them and ask them like if there's anything going on and we try to find ways to make sure that they are as successful as they can be. And she just was blown away. Yeah. I just mentioned that in my conversation with Dr. Safir, I just using my mom as an example, they're probably close to the same age and it blows her mind. The conversations I have with her about what we're doing today. So yeah, it's an evolution, right? We're evolving. So, well, Hey, we've got to finish up here, but anything else before we close out? No, I really, I mean, no, I'm really, this has been really lovely. I think that um, we're going to see a lot of continue to see a lot of positive change in 2023 with these trends. But I, you know, to be honest, I'm just consistently in awe and on the edge of my seat waiting to see what new thing I'm going to learn, what's going to change my mind, what's going to change my way of thinking when I lead people organizations. Like it's, you talk about the growth mindset, like this is a world where you can't just sit on your hands. Like you got to constantly keep learning and growing. Well, it's funny as you started with your closing there, I was going to wrap back to, well, this takes us back to what I sh why I wanted to share 
those few statements about you as the lead because you know you are all about development and thinking big and thinking forward and so it just ties exactly back into what you shared here as your closing so we could not have planned that better mm. <laughs> phenomenal I know. Well done us. <laughs> uh, well, we loved having you, Jewel. I can't wait to launch this and share these workforce trends. I know, like you'd said before, none of this is like mind blowing in terms of where we are today, but just really uh, summarizes it for folks as they're listening in and where do we need to pay attention to over the next year. So thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. It's been It's been a joy to talk to you. Yeah, it's been great. All right. Well, 9 to Thrive listeners just wanted to remind you here, send us an email at podcasts at hci.org if you do have any suggestions for topics. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating. Your rating helps other professionals and talent-minded people discover our program. For 9 to Thrive HR and all of us here at HCI, we appreciate you for tuning in. Make it a great day, everyone.